day on Striving Double Feature Presents Howling 2 and 7-2, Episode 6. A minute-by-minute podcast covering Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, and Howling New Moon Rising. I'm your host, Dan. How you doing? I hope we're all settled in here. And we are, um... Yeah, we're going to cook along in this episode. I think great things will happen. Or maybe not. Maybe it'll just be, you know, just a few things here and there. But I think it's going to be pretty pretty sharp, pretty fun. So we left Howling 2 with everyone leaving the funeral. And the the sister, the D. Wallace character from, from the first movie, had been put in a tomb, uh, uh, um, a space in the mausoleum. But she seems to be still alive. And everyone's walking out and... Um, Jenny, the um the the leading lady, um is being talked to by her editor about um killings that could have been wolf related and how he wants her to look into it. So let us listen to this minute and then uh let you listen to me gab on about it. Here we go. I want you to cover the story. Meet your film crew out at the Hollywood Reservoir. As, as much as I'd like to say that we, we got a lot of things done here, we know that um, Reb Brown's character is the sister of of uh, uh, D. Wallace's character from the first movie, the one who we, whose eyes popped open when she was put in the uh, tomb uh, within the mausoleum, and we know that uh, Reb Brown knows who Annie McEnroe's character is. Her name is Jenny. And must know that she's a reporter, too. As the guy said, I'm going to send you to the Hollywood Reservoir. The Hollywood Reservoir, I would guess, is Lake Hollywood. I don't I don't fully know what the Hollywood Reservoir is. I'm going to have to look that up. There's a, um, there's a beautiful lake. You, if you go to Burbank, and I think it's if you drive up Barham Boulevard, you can get off the 101 and drive up Barham Boulevard. It's right near Universal. And you drive north... And Barham Boulevard kind of goes up a little bit and then drops down hard into the valley. And then suddenly you're you're passing the way. It's, 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 you know if you're on Barham Boulevard, when you start to drop down, if you look to your right and you see the Warner Brothers uh, Animaniacs, you know, the uh, water tower, boom, Warner Brothers is right there. Gorgeous place. I've been, I've been in there. I haven't been in there in a long time. Why would this lowly podcast guy be allowed somewhere like that but i have been in there that's where i was in for the seinfeld series finale but um but you go you go up to the top and it's it's like a kind of like a roller coaster you get up to the top and you get up to the top and somewhere there before you crest the top and go down into the valley there is a side road it's on the right it would be an east road that will take you to lake hollywood and lake hollywood is an enormous lake I think it's a reservoir uh, on top of the hill there. 
Um, it's it's sort of like that. That's kind of the point where you're like on the Hollywood Hill, kind of. And there's a, a expressway. Sorry, the jejune, the freeway in between. And um, but the, you get the huge Lake Hollywood there, which I used to um, go for walks around. You can take a walk around, take about an hour to go all the way around it, and it's it's fun. It's like there's just fence up there, and it's all the water and these beautiful houses all around on the hill and stuff like that. But I think. That's what he's talking about when he says go to the Hollywood Reservoir. I could be wrong, but I'd, I'd have to look it up. But I think that's what he means by that. Um, anyway, I haven't been there in a while, as I've said. And so, yeah, so we see Red Brown talking to um, Mr. Crosco, the occult investigator, who's played by Christopher Lee, talking to and I like I like the way to... Here's the thing. The film is screwball as hell. But Philip Mora, I think, is, is a good is a good director. And I like the way he ends the scene on Jenny, um, where she's been told to go to the Hollywood Reservoir. The film crew will be there. And then you hear suddenly in the background, oh, my sister's dead. No, she's still alive. You know, this, that, and the other. And then she turns and looks and sees this other conversation happening, goes towards it. Red Brown is there. Red Brown, not his best haircut. He, you know, he'd have better haircuts throughout the 80s this this one's an okay haircut but he's standing there and um it's always funny because red brown usually is like you know he's your he's strike commando stuff like that to just see him standing there you know in a nice suit talk to christopher lee you know it's funny like christopher lee does when he gives red brown the card he does have a bit of a look on his face like am i really in this movie is this actually happening but christopher lee was a professional as as were red brown and I need to look more into Annie McEnroe. I, I imagine she was too. But they're in a gorgeous place. Wherever they are, look around them. Like when Christopher Lee is leaving and Red Brown is like staring off into the distance, you see people walking away down a path, sort of a path, a very tiny path. But they're in this gorgeous place. It's really lovely. And, and so so we're sort of setting up that, uh, well, we saw that, that the sister is not, your sister is a werewolf. Your sister, is she's not dead. And we see, we know now that he's he's the brother, and and we know now that Christopher Lee is some sort of investigator, wants to find out what's going on, and and um Annie, uh, Jenny has a look at the card, and, and the minute ends with her going off after Christopher Lee with Red Brown kind of standing there, and but but like I said, I am I, I guess there's a reason then why she was in the front row because he knows who she is. It seems like the moment the the editor or the whoever came out and talked to her um, um, verifying that she was a reporter it just seems a little weird to me but but they do know each other so that's good so so we will we will carry on from there so that that is the end of howling uh two minute six and so um i mean it is very much then continuing on from howling um you know in the same way that you know howling seven i guess continues on from howling six or um whatever Howling 7 is continuing on from. But yeah, so, gosh, I would really love if we got a really nice Blu-ray set of like Howling 2 through 7, and, and then including the um, the most recent one, was it Reborn, um, which I have not seen. But I would love it. I think, I think the Howling series is not... You'd almost have to do it more academically because if you went in there going like, yeah, we're a podcast, we're going to talk about Howling, it's going to be awesome you're going to get annoyed or bored or just confused very quickly. I, I think I think someone more academic or someone like myself who can 
you know, spend, you know, 700 minutes talking about Tony Malinowski's Night of Horror, discussing the um, the movies. But I really do think the the Howling movies, as a series, including Re- Reborn, if that's the eighth one, all eight of them, I think it does get short shrift. Part of it being that that only the the first two, as of this moment, have nice Blu-rays. As I've said before, three has the Anchor Bay one, which is long out of print. I think four, five, and six are on like a set together, and seven is only Laserdisc, and eight is Blu-ray. I think that nine is yes, eight is Blu-ray, but um, it's it's too scattered. The series is too scattered. We need a beautiful set, and I'm not saying Seven's going to do it, but maybe a Shout Factory, Scream Factory set, since they did two, would be loved. And they did one. They did one and two. Boom. One and two are the ones most people probably want to see most. So assemble three through eight. Do it, do it, do it. I hope that Howling 8 Reborn is a good one. I'm just, in my mind, I unfortunately seeing this being basically a remake of The Howling, which was vaguely based on the book The Howling, but then The Howling 4 is based more on the book The Howling. I've said this before, so I'm, I'm a little worried about Reborn. If it's called Reborn, I could be making that up. You ever see Black Werewolf? It ain't it ain't a black exploitation film. What a heartbreaker that is. You ever seen the cover for that? The best cover in the world. Uh, anyway, so let's go on to Howling, uh, Howling uh, 7, uh, Howling New Moon Rising, uh, minute 6. So we ended with Clive Turner, the uh, CPA on the film. I'm kidding. Lead actor, editor, writer, producer, director, CPA, I believe CPA, um, Going, looking through the jukebox, going up to the bar and ordering a beer. Good day, mate. Can I get a beer? Uh, and so the the guy behind the counter is getting him a beer. And we just heard a song. Um, I like it like that. She likes it like that. Likes it like that. So let's see what is happening. I think I think we're about to get a beautiful introduction to the people of Pioneer Town. Don't quote me on that. It's a country jukebox. Not without George Jones. Huh? So it's not a country jukebox without George Jones. Hey, it's got everyone else. What's such a big deal about George Jones? From the Beatles to the Rolling Stones. They could all sing like they wanted to. They'd all sing sing like like George Jones. Jones. Jim, do you know who wrote that song? George Jones? (laughs) That's his wild Jennings. Jim, the only thing you know about country music is the first four letters. Brock. Sorry, Cheryl, why didn't I get spelled? Yeah, and I can also count up to 86. <laughs> Hi, Bob Mo, nice to meet you. Good night, I'm Ted. Ted Smith. This is Jim. Huh? So this is Jim. Hi, Jim. Uh, oh, I'm uh, actually Ted. Long Ted. ride from Australia? Uh, yeah, but I flew most of the way. Your arm's tired? I only want to flap them. Okay, <laughs> that could give you armoritis. Uh, it's all right, I just had a bout of hepatitis. Yeah. A little bit further down your leg, it probably get. All right, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I look at my dog, George, and he's looking at me. And, George, should I do this? He gave me a wink, which means, yes, I should do this. Uh, I'm going to go through sort of second-by-second-ish on here because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters to meet, and there's a lot happening. So it all takes place at the bar. And you got the bartender, you got a woman standing nearby, you have one, two guys nearby sitting at the bar. And we're gonna we're gonna 
We're, we're not going to go... We're, ju- we're just going to mention them here, and we will talk more about them as we go into it. But you will hear me... Um, here so so the minute begins with the um the bartender opening the um the uh, a beer and saying um you know uh it's a country jukebox, country jukebox. not without george jones jukebox without george jones about george jones and at that point um uh clive turner and uh, Ted um, um, begins to quote a Waylon Jennings song from his 1980 album Music Man, which is um, uh, George might show up flying high if George shows up at all. George Jones was uh, kind of known for he, his boozing and not always showing up at shows. Um, but he may be unconsciously the greatest of them all. From the Beatles and me in Nashville to the, to the Billies and the Rolling Stones, if we sounded like we wanted to, We'd all sound like George Jones, and it's all right. It's all right. It may not be right, but it's all right. And they're about to quote that in the minute. Um, Ted and the guy sitting next to him with the glasses, the bigger guy with the glasses, will be saying something. Uh, will be misspelling country music shortly, and uh, woman will be chiding him on that. But George Jones. Now, I'm not a big George Jones guy. I actually just. Um, I've actually, I actually went online and I, I purchased a download of his 1980 album "I Am What I Am," which has uh, one of the songs they um, uh, that they uh, consider to be his one of his all-time best. He stopped loving her today, which sounds like a real hoot. I can actually, I can actually hear exactly how that sounds. But I have heard George Jones songs uh, before. He'd been around for ages. He was married to Tammy Wynette. He had a lot of big hits. He um, he was always praised for sort of his um, his phrasing and the way he sang and stuff. And, and um, uh, I, but I've not heard much of. His, I mean, if you look at him on the cover of "I Am What I Am," you 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 can be forgiven for running a long mile. Um, country music and myself are. Are not always compatible. I like. I'm a fan of Hank Williams. I'm a fan of Patsy Cline, Jimmy Rogers, the Carter family. I don't know if they're quite country music, but um, sort of roots music, or I, I don't know what what you'd call them. Um, but once you wander like into the late '60s, into the '70s, and beyond, you start to get that sort of Nashville sound and um uh, uh and such um year you lose me um and modern day don't talk I I would prefer not to discuss modern day country music because I I don't like it and but 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 George Jones they bring up George Jones here I love the way they do it and you you heard the you heard the like it it sort of makes no sense the way it's introduced like he looks at the jukebox he sits down he orders the beer. And the guy doesn't say, "Hey, what's the matter? What's wrong with your jukebox? It's a country jukebox, you know. What, what's what's the problem? You know, he he seems to know that Ted has looked at the jukebox and is coming up short with what he wants because he wants some George Jones. Yeah, jo- George. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too in depth into it here. I mean, I can see what what do I have here? I am what I am. Double trouble together. Let me just. Re- oh my lord." I'm looking at looking at his albums here. Whew. First one, fifty six. 
Grand old Opry's new star, then Hillbilly Hit Parade. Wow. Long live King George, Country Church Time, White Lake, and other favorites, the Crown Prince of Country Music. George Jones salutes Hank Williams. Scotty was hits, sings like the Dickens. Oh, I wonder what that is. That's something Christmas related. Oh, it's a little Jimmy Dickens. Okay, now that that's yeah, that's sorry about that. Man's best losing the gospel away, the grand tour members us the battle alone again. I wanna see yeah, bartenders blues. Yeah, um I feel like um, George Jones and myself would not be a great fit. But Ted likes him. And it's not my job to dislike something that a lead character in a movie uh, that we're uh, covering here likes. So, yeah, Ted likes George Jones. And, and he has a moment with the guy next to him where they quote the uh, Waylon Jennings song. And I'm just going to listen Beatles a little bit here. Stones. And you can see, so, so when they cut the Beatles and the Rowling Stones, you can see... Um, Ted and the on the left closest to us, the guy with the glasses, and then the bigger guy with the glasses. Then you can see the bartender who's doing something or other, and you can see the woman over on the far right. And I'm gonna say, if you know where the movie goes, look at the look at look at her um, look at her profile right there. And I'm just gonna stop right there. George Jones. <laughs> Waylon Jennings. So we're talking to Jim. Jim is the bartender. The only thing you know about country music is the first four letters. And it ain't C-O-U-N, my friends. It's a little bit naughtier than that. Here's the kind of the joy of... I'm not going to go too far into it here because we're getting the characters thrown at us here. So we so we get the woman here who has the kind of crimped blonde hair and she's washing glass. She talks about Brock. Cheryl. She's Cheryl. 86. Oh, throwing him out. So the guy with the glasses who knows is Waylon Jennings, who we will see later playing guitar and singing as Bob. And Ted Ted Smith is our um, star slash CPA, um, uh, supervising editor Clive Turner, and um, he's at he's at, at Pioneer Town. And the joy of this movie is in this minute settles in so beautifully. Um, like Howling Two is going to get crazy, but Howling New Moon Rising has already hit its its a nutty point right here. Like I said, the thing with the introduction of George Jones, it's like, where does that come from? And if you don't know who George Jones is, like, what does that mean? And then the 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 first four letters, and then suddenly there's this roundelay of all these characters, and who are all these people? This is Jim, this is Jim. and he he introduces the bartender, and the bartender thinks he's everyone's named Jim, but uh uh from Australia. Only one I flap him. Armoritis. He had hepatitis. It'll probably be. You don't know if it goes further down. It's like because of the. And here's here's the thing. Like when I watch Curse of the Headless Horseman, this the same thing happens. This is, as you will see, these these people here, the guy behind the bar and the two guys sitting at the bar. I'm not sure of the woman Cheryl. But the three guys are actual guys from Pioneer Town. They are not actors. They are just people who work there, sang there, played there, did their business there. Clive Turner liked them, 
and built a werewolf movie around them. So, so these these things like the the first four letters and the George Jones thing and this hepatitis and the whatever they're talking about. I want to flap my arms. Is you, you you're hearing in jokes is what you're hearing, which is why I love it. I won't go too too in depth into it here because we'll get more of these. And but just but just be forewarned that the joy of the show. Um, or the show, the the movie from this point on is that um, it's filled with so many things that we watch as an audience and are like, what are they doing? But you can tell by the way they all get into it, like the George Jones thing and laughing at the the country music spelling and this bit of shtick here that they knew it and they loved it. And as as again as I've said before, it, it gets a feeling like Clive Turner maybe wanted to do a documentary on these people. But couldn't get the funding. But since he'd been involved in Howling 4 and 5, he could sell them on Howling 7. And he lied to them about how much of it was going to be a documentary about these people, which I love. So I'm going to stop talking right here because the next minute of Howling 7 has even more fun times in it. And you're going to love it. And you're going to love what happens if you go a little further down your leg. What ha- what hilarity ensues so let me wrap up here listen to this everyone um i'll talk to you next time